It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have a message from December 22nd. This is part four in our series on the Advent Conspiracy. This message features Al LeBlanc, one of our uh, one of the members of our teaching team. And he's talking today about how to uh, use our specific gifts that God has given each of us uh, for his work, both in the community of the church and outside the church. It's a good wrap-up to our series, and we also uh, received the offering for our Advent Conspiracy Water Wells Project, in which we collected close to $13,000 for Seeds of Hope in Zambia. So thanks to everyone who gave to that. Let's go ahead and head to North Shore Vineyard to the talk. Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, you can tell I'm a rookie at this. Not a complete rookie. This is actually my second time in forever uh, doing this. So. <laughs> uh, that's not quite a rookie, but that's pretty close. Uh, and yeah, Crispin did ask me to, to give this uh, message. I think he gave me all of my materials back on Tuesday, this, uh, just this past week. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare this. And, and in the process of doing the final preparations, uh, I realized that this is a tough message to give. Uh, Crispin got to talk about giving our presence a couple of weeks ago and how we participate in our families and just by being there. Uh, and then he talked about giving of our resources, and, and we're taking up this collection today for the, for the water purification project there in Africa. And, and those are good messages. Uh, the message I get to give is, is how do we give of ourselves? Uh, and are we called to give of ourselves? And it's much more personal and it's much more difficult. And I think Crispin did it to me deliberately because I think this is the kind of message where people maybe even throw stuff at the speaker. <laughs> so uh, I stand up here uh, dressed in my Christmas regalia, feeling somewhat like a 175-pound Christmas piñata, uh, ready to be beaten to death. But, but nonetheless, uh, that, that's the message that we have for today. That's the topic for today. And, uh, and that's what I'm going to try to address. Uh, and let me begin by saying that I, I want to distinguish this message because anytime we talk about doing things in, in a church, uh, it's easy to get confused between works and salvation. Uh, I, I'm not here today to say that you need to do a bunch of things lest you not be saved or lest you, lest you go, to he- go to hell or something or not go to heaven. Uh, uh, Salvation, we understand. All of us here are, are either Christians or we may be seeking or on a Christian path, but we're basically of the Christian mold. Um, and so we, we do believe, and I believe, uh, that our salvation was addressed by, by Christ coming here, by his sacrifice, by his death and resurrection, and by our faith in him. Uh, I, I'm not here to say anything that detracts from that salvation message at all. What I'm here to talk about today is if you are on that path, if you have become a Christian, does it change anything in you? Or do you just become a Christian and, oh, I'm saved and and I'm going to go to heaven one day uh, and nothing else changes in my life? Well, well, I'm going to submit to you that that's not the case, that, that, that having become a Christian you're called upon to change. You're, you're called upon to do some things, not for your salvation, but you're called upon to participate in the Christian community. 
Uh, and, and I didn't just make this up. Uh, I'm a lawyer by trade, for those of you who, who don't know me. And, and lawyers, our job is to take uh, laws and, and to kind of argue them in a way that most benefits our client. Uh, and then there's another lawyer who's on the other side, and he's taking those same laws, and he's trying to adjust those arguments to suit his client. And we have a judge who ultimately makes a decision on which side is correct. Um, we don't have that opportunity here because I'm speaking and you're listening, so I have to be careful to not twist some scriptures to, to suit my case uh, when nobody else may be arguing otherwise. So uh, there, there are, and as, as we all know, there are scriptures that, that you could quote that would justify almost anything. So uh, I, I did, in your materials, uh, you have the references to the different scriptures that I'm going to refer to. But, but as a lawyer, we, we kind of have a tendency to not necessarily quote the thing exactly. Sometimes we kind of paraphrase the laws uh, and, and kind of make the words a way that are a little bit more understandable. And I'm going to do that, so I, I'm giving you a heads up. But, but I do want you to take a look at the scriptures, and, and I think... I think I've been faithful to them. I don't think I'm changing either context or content. Uh, and I'm going to refer to a couple of them here just quickly to, to set a tone uh, so that uh, I hope you get the idea that I'm just not making this stuff up. Uh, Paul had, had a number, as Paul wrote a lot, so th there are quite a few scriptures where Paul addressed this topic. In Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 10, uh, Paul said that we are created to do good works, uh, well, well, that kind of lays it out right there. We're created to do good works. Uh, we're, we're not, uh, he's not saying we're created to sit here like a bump on a log and contemplate our salvation. We're created to, to do good works. Uh, in Romans, Paul said that we know that God has called us according to his purpose. So he's got a purpose for us. Uh, you know, to me, when you have a purpose, you know, a purpose in life, you're, you're, you have something that you're going to do. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says God's intent is that through the church, and let's take a little side trip here. Remember, when Paul was writing, the church wasn't big cathedrals. We, it, the church didn't have those. The church at that time was people meeting in homes, discussing Paul's writings. So the church is us. The church is a bunch of people like us. So P Paul says it's God's intent that through the church, through us, the, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Mark addressed the same thing in his chapter 8, verse 35. He was quoting Jesus, and he said, uh, if you intend to follow Jesus, you need to take up your cross and follow him, and that you have to set aside your earthly priorities and focus on living your life for God. Well, that, that tells me that something changed there. You, you, before you became a Christian, you probably focused on your, your earthly life, your material things, but now that you've become a Christian, you're, the, the focus is supposed to change. You're supposed to focus on living your life for God. John addressed it. John, uh, in chapter 17, verse 18, Jesus said uh, that he had been sent into our, as he had been sent into our world, he was sending his disciples, that's us, into, into the world. So we as disciples are being sent out there. Okay, we're being sent out into the world. Jesus came into our world. We're his disciples. He's sending us out. We're not just fixed here in our church, our, our little group. We've gotten to know each other and we're comfortable with each other. But he's really directing us outside. Matthew said 
uh, after his, and this is after his resurrection, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He said, Jesus told the disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. Go. That, that's an action word, folks. That, that's not, he didn't say sit. He said go. He said go and make disciples of all nations and teach them. Uh, that's another action word. You know, teach. We've got a responsibility to go out and do something. Um, Matthew also said in verse 7, I'm, I'm sorry, chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus was saying that everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his home on a rock. So you're not only supposed to sit here and listen to this stuff and, and study it and learn it, but you're supposed to put it into practice. So I, I take these, and, and there's, there's a lot of this stuff in, in the scriptures. You can find it in a lot of other places besides the ones that I've referred to. But I think what I get out of this is that Christianity is not a spectator sport. Uh, this is not something that you sit in a chair on Sunday, you listen to it for, listen to some wonderful music for 30 minutes or so, listen to somebody like me who's really not very experienced at doing this, uh, and, then, and then you forget all about it and you, you go about your regular life when you walk out of here. Uh, that's not the way it's supposed to be. But, well, then when we realize that maybe we're supposed to do something about being a Christian, then we start to say, well, you know, gee, I've got some, that's, that's not me. You know, I've got some excuses. I, I don't have any, what am I supposed to contribute? I don't, you know, what, what can I do? I really don't have, you know, what, what am I supposed to do? Well, Paul addressed that too in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. He said, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, in everyone, not in, not in the other guy, in everyone, it's the same God at work. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that we all have the, the same gifts. Uh, Paul is referring to gifts there. He was really referring to spiritual gifts. But it doesn't mean we all have the same talents. And, and I kind of used an example earlier, and I, and I think it's a pretty good example, uh, of looking at animals that are created to do different things. Uh, you know, you look at the cheetah, and, and he was designed to run. Uh, you know, what a marvelous creature. Uh, but he's a cat, so he probably doesn't like the water too well, and he's probably not very much of a swimmer, although I suspect the cheetah, if you threw him in the water, could swim enough to get to the shore. Um, but he can't. He doesn't fly. He's not a bird. And, and no matter how hard he works, uh, he's not going to fly. And if you spend a lot of time trying to train your cheetah to fly, you'd probably have a very frustrated cheetah who wouldn't do very well. He may not even run as well as he used to. Uh, you can look at an eagle who was meant to fly. He soars gracefully. He doesn't even have to flap his wings. He can just, he can just soar. Uh, but if you've ever seen an eagle on the ground try to walk, they kind of hop around. They actually look sort of like a vulture. Uh, and, and they're not really such a graceful walker. And, and I've, I've never heard of an eagle swimming, although I guess if they landed in the water, they might be able to take off again. Uh, and what about a fish that can swim? Uh, I can think of a flying fish that can certainly swim like a fish, and he can even get out of the water and fly short distances, uh, but he sure can't walk. Uh, I know they have some catfish, I think, that can kind of waddle on the land using their fins a little bit, kind of look like a catfish, don't I? Uh, and uh, he can kind of waddle around a bit, but he certainly can't fly, and he, he certainly is not designed to walk. I mean, they're, they're swimmers. Well, well, what about us? You say, oh, well you, know, well, you know, I'm not an eagle, and I'm not a fish, and I'm not a cheetah, so what am I supposed to do? Well, I think as humans, 
uh, I kind of look at me, uh, and I kind of look at us. Uh, I think we're more like a duck. Uh, and, and if you think of a duck, a duck can certainly fly, uh, but he doesn't fly like an eagle. Uh, he better keep flapping his wings, and if he doesn't keep flapping his wings, he's coming down pretty quickly. Uh, he can swim. He's got webbed feet. He paddles a bit, and, but he, does, he doesn't swim like a fish, but he can, he can swim. And he can even walk. You know, they waddle on the land, and uh, there's even an exercise that the kids do called the duck walk. Uh, and so, so we're, I think, more like a duck. We, we, have, we have certain talents. Not all of us are eagles. Not all of us are cheetahs. Not all of us uh, are, are fish. Um, and that doesn't mean we don't have people with great talents. Uh, I, I'll ask you just to consider the musicians who play in this church. Uh, they are wonderfully talented people. Uh, they would be the, the eagles of the musical world. Uh, I, was, I was talking to, uh, uh, to Nick Berta, uh, Nick Deliberto right before the service today. And if you've ever seen Nick work in the children's ministry, Nick is fantastic at that. You know, what, what a gift. Uh, he is an eagle among child ministers. But, but the rest of us, you know, we're more like the ducks, you know, and, and we have some talents. We can work in the children's ministry. Uh, some of us have no musical talents whatsoever. I'm one of those. Uh, you don't want to hear me sing. I don't even hum well. Uh, but there are some things that I can do. And, and the point is we can all contribute to, to different degrees. Uh, but, but then we say, well, you know, what I have to contribute, you know, my, my abilities are so limited there are people who could do a better job than me. I, I understand your point, Al, you know, uh, I can do some things, but the, why don't we let the eagle do the eagle's job, we'll let the fish do the fish job, and, and we'll let the cheetah do the cheetah's job. Isn't that better than me as the duck trying to do any of those jobs? Well, no, that doesn't work either. Uh, and Paul hit that one also. He was talking about the body of Christ. Uh, and he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, and my eyes are getting bad, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. To the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. He doesn't say that they are of lesser value or that they help everything to get along. He says they're indispensable, those lesser parts. He goes on to say there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So the, these, these limitations that we may have don't exempt us, but they don't allow us to say, let somebody else do it. We are required to do our, little, our part, even if it is a smaller part. I spoke, uh, last time I spoke, the only other time I spoke, I spoke about doing some renovations here in the church, and I commented about how some people were here working. I came to work expecting to do great things in the renovation project, and I arrived to find people hanging chandeliers. I found people do installing air conditioning units. I found people installing the cry room back there, people doing plumbing, and I literally, this is not a joke, I literally wound up doing the touch-up painting behind the toilet in the corner. <laughs> That's a pretty small job, folks. But, but it was also an opportunity for me to take some joy in seeing the construction eagles do their thing. Uh, I was not a construction eagle, but I had a little construction job to do, and I helped a little bit. And you know what? I also gave the eagles in here the opportunity to do their thing because they didn't have to take their time to go paint behind the toilet. I did that. 
look, look at the, I, I look at the human foot, you know, the, what Paul's talking about the body of Christ here, and, and, and I like to think of the foot uh, and, and its job. You know, as I stand here walking around the podium, uh, I think of the, the feet of the body. Uh, particularly for us guys, the feet are not particularly graceful things. We, we tend to have some kind of gnarly feet, just, just to ask our wives. Uh, and that's also why we wear kind of clunky shoes and we wear socks and we tend to cover them up and they're usually not out in the open very much. But as I stand here, if you noticed in this last couple of seconds, I started doing something different deliberately. Uh, although I'm kind of swaying back and forth because I'm a little nervous and I'm not really comfortable doing this, I did start doing something else different. I stopped moving. If the feet don't move, the body doesn't go anywhere. It just stands there like a big 170-pound Christmas ornament waiting for somebody to throw something at it. But if I move around the stage, I'm a little bit difficult target. I'm a little harder to hit. <clears throat> but the feet move the body, and if the feet if that's our job to be the foot in the body, we don't have the glamour of being a beautiful blue eye uh, or some big muscle in the arm. Uh, you know, we're a lowly foot. But if we don't do our job, the body doesn't move. Well, then people say, well, well okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm not even a foot, I'm a toe. I'm, I'm, the, I'm a little toe. Well, uh, okay. But the toes are what really gives spring to the feet. And the toes are what really helps the body to run. And so even the toes are an important part of the body. So, so the excuse that there are other people better equipped to do jobs than us just doesn't hold water. Uh, and there's another factor, I think, that you need to consider. And I think it's that God enjoys seeing us do our things, uh, whatever it may be. Don't you think that God enjoys seeing these musicians play? Don't you think that God takes joy from that. He sees, look what I, you know, this is my creation. I designed those things to do that, and boy, look at them go. Don't you think he takes joy in seeing Crispin lead this group in, in our spiritual journey? Don't you think he takes joy in seeing Nick Deliberto serve in the, in the children's ministry? These are powerful things, and they relate to us, too. Uh, we've got a lot of parents in here. Have you ever some of you, I presume, have gotten to the point where you've taught your children how to ride bicycles. And isn't it a joy when, when that little one gets that coordination, the pedals going, and, and he can move that bicycle, and he's excited because look at what he's learned, and he feels the wind in his face. If you ever see a parent doing that, look at the parent. The parent's glowing because the parent sees what its child has learned to do. And I think God sees that in us. Uh, I think he took joy when I was painting the corner behind the toilet. Uh, he certainly took joy when he saw the people that were hanging the chandeliers and those things. But there are little things that we do that we can do, that we're capable of doing, that God made us to do. And, and we really kind of cheat him. And we cheat our Christian body when we don't do the things that we were designed to do. So, so where does that leave us? Uh, we're Christians. We believe in our salvation. Uh, we're, we see ourselves, yeah, you know, we're part of this body. 
we see, yeah, you know, I really can't deny the fact that I have some gifts. Uh, I may not be a cheetah, may not be an eagle, you know, may not be a flying fish, you know, but, but I'm a duck, you know. Uh, I can do some things. So, so what do we do with that? You know, if we see the concept and we see that we're supposed to take these things and do something with the talents that God has given us, what is it actually that I'm supposed to do? How do I translate that to me? Well, you can kind of briefly take a look at what we call the spiritual gifts. Um, Paul addresses spiritual gifts in Romans and, and in Corinthians again, and I, I cited those verses for you uh, in your outline. But the spiritual gifts, some of them are kind of hard to grasp. Uh, you know, the gift of prophecy is one. Um, I don't know too many of you guys who, who are prophets. If you are, please Clue us in on what the prophecies are. We'd like to hear them. Uh, some of them are kind of hard to see, maybe like healing, although I believe we have people who are in this church who can pray, and, and, I, and I've seen people do miraculous things, and, and I believe that that's a power. But, but that's kind of a hard one to, to really you know, get your, your arms around. But the spiritual gifts also include things like the gift of administration, uh, the, the gift of, of service, uh, the gift of teaching. You know, there are some things there that, that you can kind of, kind of get your arms around a bit more. Uh, but even those can be kind of hard to, to conceptualize into what do I do? Well, Jesus was asked this question by, by one of the Pharisees when Jesus was teaching in the temple. Uh, the Pharisee asked, asked Jesus, what was the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered, and this is in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. So, so there are some things that, that God expects us to do. To love God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. But again, you still, how do I translate that into what I do? How do I translate that into an activity that, that relates to other people? that carries my presence to other people. Well, there are some things you can do, and I'm going to try to give you some examples. Um, for, for things just inside of this church, and then Crispin is talking about doing these outreaches and, and being involved in our community, so we're going, to, we're going to talk a little bit about the church and then a little bit about outside of the community. And, and let's take these different concepts of loving God with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, and let's, let's see if, we can, if I can help translate those into things you can actually do. But, well, let's talk about giving your heart. How do, you, how do you give your heart? Well, you can't take it out and, you know, you die. Uh, but, but what does that mean? Well, well to me, I, I see the heart uh, as people who can share and interact with other people, that they connect with other people. And, and oftentimes... Uh, it comes out in talking. You, you see, those are the people who are standing here in the middle of the church after the service, and they're in a group of people, and, and they're sharing their lives, and they're sharing their thoughts, and they're sharing what's going on in their lives, and, and they're communicating with each other. That They're sharing their hearts. Well, how does that translate into doing something here in the church? Well, take a look at our teaching team. Uh, the teaching team members are up here after every service. What, what do they do? Well, they listen to people who are having difficulties. They try to share with that person. They try to connect with that person on a spiritual level, and, and they try to, to, to assist that person in seeing how God might help them through whatever it is that they are sharing. 
But well, that's a way of connecting your heart to someone as part of our teaching team inside of the four walls of this church. We're going to take this outside in just a minute, but, but that's something that, that someone with a big heart can maybe think about how they can serve. And you may not necessarily connect those dots, but you can see how loving the people in this church and connecting your heart with them, you're loving God with all your heart. What about how do you love God with your mind? You know, that seems like an intellectual exercise, and to some extent it is. Uh, I, I think there are people who are, are very motivated to, to study Scripture, and, and they can sit there and study the Word and, and never take it outside. A, a monk would be an example of that, but that's not what we're talking about today. How, how can a thinker serve the church? Well, what, what does a thinker do? Uh, a thinker is kind of an organizer to me. He's using his head. He's got analytical skills. He or she's got analytical skills. I'll tell you how that translates into the church. We have people who work like in the children's ministry, and there is work in the children's ministry. But you know what's the hardest part in the children's ministry? Scheduling the people who are going to work in the children's ministry. That's an organizational task that a thinker can do. Hospitality team is the same way. My wife works a lot with the hospitality team. And believe me, every month, it's an exercise to who can do which services, and then people get sick and the schedules change and the whole thing changes because the guy who was going to do next week has to fill in this week, and then you've got to change and you've got to get somebody else for next week. So if you want to use your mind, try to participate. You're not, actually being, you're not actually making the coffee, but organizing the coffee team. And the same thing applies for cleaning the church and serving in children's ministry. But there's, those are ways that people can use your mind, your analytical skills, and serve in the church. What about, so, so we've, got, we've covered heart, we've covered mind, let's try soul. What about, how, how do we serve God with our soul? Well, to me, that's different than your heart. The heart is that kind of, that kind of feeling connecting thing. The, the soul, to me, is that compassion, that, that, that deep felt sharing of pain with someone who's going through something difficult. Well, how, how do you serve? Okay, I understand that that's, that's God wants us to do, but how do I do that? Well, you can do that by, by serving the people in, in our congregation who've been injured, maybe in the hospital, visiting the sick, visiting the elderly. Those are ways that you can connect with people uh, with your soul. It doesn't require you to, to do a particular act uh, I just recently went to visit an 88-year-old cousin of my mother's who's never married, had one brother. Her brother predeceased her. She's got one niece on this whole planet. She's 88 years old. She lives in a nursing home. Uh, you can go visit someone like that uh, if you have a soul uh, and you can connect. And, and that lady, I didn't do anything for that lady. Uh, my mother and I went. My mother's 94, for those of you who haven't met my mother. Uh, she's like a shriveled-up version of me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we went to visit that cousin, and, uh, you know, she was just happy that we were there. We didn't have, she didn't have any grass for us to cut. She didn't have any meals for us to cook. She was just happy that we visited. But, but that's a method of sharing your soul and, and working with, with God to, to, to love God with your whole heart, with your whole soul. And, and the easiest one, I think, is strength. So, well, what, you know, we're not talking about feats of strength here. You know, we got some big guys here that are a lot stronger than I am. But, but there are, strength to me just means doing some work. 
And there are tons of jobs around the church that people can do. And we tend to take them for granted. They're usually the people who are out of sight. Uh, making coffee. You know, you have to get up a few minutes early and get here to make coffee. We have people who clean the church. Uh, we have uh, people who sweep the patio. Uh, the, these, the musicians are using physical skills to, to play their instruments. Uh, people who do the audiovisual things. They are doing stuff here in the church. That, that's using your strength as part of your worship of God. And so I hope you're beginning to see that, that as ducks, we have some of these things. I hope that some of this is beginning to click and you're saying, you know, I could do that. You know, it's not that big of a stretch for me to do that. And you can even take these skills outside of the church. Uh, I deliberately am breaking this down uh, because we're, we're doing this Advent talk. This is, a, a, this is an Advent conspiracy. This is, we're talking about the coming of Jesus, and we're trying to do something revolutionary to take our focus off of the Christmas gift-giving process that's become our tradition, and we're trying to do something revolutionary and use this time of year to think about what we can do in our community. And, and some of these things that we can do, what can our heart our heart people, our talkers, our, our people, skilled people. Well, they can be counselors, like with this, this Boys and Children's Club. Uh, there'll be people in that group that need someone to talk to. They can be mentors. Uh, they can perhaps teach uh, some of these, uh, maybe helping uh, after daycare to teach maybe a little math or helping kids with their homework. Uh, that's a way for our heart people to connect outside of that door. Uh, what can our mind people think, our analytical people, what can they do? Well, well I'm a lawyer, uh, you know, and I, I have done this, and I'm not saying this as a matter of pride, but as an example, uh, I work for a bank now, so I don't have a private practice, but people will come to me with legal problems, and I can help to assist them to analyze what their problem is and help to perhaps direct them to somebody who can actually help them with their problem. Sometimes I can actually help them. I work for a bank and I've helped people with financing to refinance homes, some people buying homes, some people going through family and, and uh, custodial issues. Uh, so those are things that, that as a lawyer I can do. We've got CPAs, we've got accountants. Uh, they can help people with their bill paying, with their finances, with financial difficulties. And you can get outside of this church and you can do those things just by being available. What, what can our soul, th those deep heartfelt soul type people, what can they do outside? Well, same thing that they can do inside the church, really. They can go visit elderly people that are outside the church. They, they can perhaps cook a meal for someone who's ill. They can perhaps offer to... Uh, to, to, to visit with someone uh, who can't get out. So those people have tasks they can do outside of the church. And, and our strength people, our worker people, they can certainly see that they can do things outside of that door. Uh, someone may have a, a home that needs some repair. We, we have all sorts of talented people here that can fix all sorts of things. Uh, and, and we're probably going to be called upon to do that. Uh, we can cook a meal for someone. Uh, we can help cut someone's grass who's maybe... Uh, either been ill or, or not able to, to do their own. So I, I, hope that I'm, I hope that I've been able to give you some ideas that, that not only are we called to do something as Christians, but we've got the ability to do those things. We don't have to be great at those things, but we do have to do them. We have to participate, and, and we let our other 
Christians, we let our community down when we don't. So uh, I'd like to close this with a prayer. Heavenly Father, this is the time of the year for us to remember your gifts to us, particularly the gift of your Son, who you sent to share his presence with us. Help us to remember that in addition to the gift of your only Son, you have given each of us special gifts and talents, unique to each one of us. Father, we give thanks for those gifts. Help each of us to recognize that those special talents that each of us has received from you are far greater than any new toy, gadget, gift, shirt, or trinket that we may receive under our Christmas trees. We ask that you help us to recognize that we did nothing to create those gifts, that it was you who bestowed those gifts upon us. Father, we ask that you give us insight and understanding. Please show us how we can use the gifts that you have bestowed upon us to serve others. Finally, Father, as we close this prayer, Help us to remember that if we do use our gifts to help others, that in blessing others, we are also blessed. These things we pray for in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, whose birthday we celebrate this week. Amen. Amen. That's all I got. <laughs>